couldn't really sleep. I couldn't really sleep that well last night. I kept waking up. I don't really know why. So uh, I woke up at like, I don't know, four in the morning. Um, Eastern time and I turned on the TV because sometimes when I turn on the TV I know you're not supposed to but I turn on the TV because sometimes that helps me fall back asleep I didn't have my glasses on and without glasses I'm pretty much blind pretty much blind um, press the share button on Facebook by the way and YouTube everybody share sharing is caring and this is a super chat so if you're feeling super definitely leave contributions in the super chat so I turn on the TV I don't have glasses on and I just see on CNN, like, the breaking news thing. But CNN has breaking news at all times. But it was 4 in the morning. So I didn't have my glasses on, and I just see, like, lights. And i thinking, like, it's an ambulance light. And without even seeing the words on the screen, without even being able to see exactly what was going on, I just knew it was another mass shooting. I, I can't tell you why. But I just knew it was a mass shooting. Um, and then I put my glasses on, and unfortunately... That was confirmed. Um, so uh, last night, uh, California time, Pacific time, um, a gunman went into a local bar. It was college night at this bar and decided to shoot up the place. Um, we, we don't know why yet. There's some details about the shooter. Uh, he was a 29-year-old, I believe, uh, veteran, um, and obviously disturbed. And he has killed... 12 people, um, he killed himself, uh, well we don't know, CNN's reporting that he might have killed himself, but he's dead so that makes 13, um, a pretty heroic uh, police officer, I think a, a, a sheriff or a sergeant, um, barreled in there and he lost his life, uh, witnesses say he saved many lives by going in and, and taking that risk, um, and it's just there's really no words. I mean, I don't really know how do you, what do you even say anymore? What do you even say? You know, you hear all the people with the mental health, the mental health, and I, I've given my thoughts on this. Uh, this is not a mental health issue. I'm sorry. That is a, a red herring for people that don't want any reforms on guns. Um, Ty, uh, our photojournalist who lives in Los Angeles, uh, and why you should support our GoFundMe is literally Ty yesterday. He literally Ty yesterday told me, dude, uh, I think I need to go to the hospital. I think I need to go to the hospital. I'm in so much pain. Um, and he texted me this morning saying, do you want me to go down there to cover this? And I said, if you're feeling okay, I mean, that would be great, but not if you are in severe pain. And Ty, uh, you probably couldn't notice if you were watching the live stream later, but Ty really just put on, a fit, put on a happy face and went down there and covered this better than most corporate media outlets did, frankly. Um, so a few more details about the shooter, and then I want to show you a piece of Ty's interview. Uh, the shooter, hold on. He was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran, 28 years old. He's believed to have killed himself. And the gunman used one handgun, but it had an extended magazine, which allows you to obviously fire off more bullets. Uh, we should say, you know, in fairness, California has some of the strictest gun laws in this country, but it's really not just about this one shooting. We're, we're, we're only 12 days. We're only 12 days removed. 
we're only 12 days removed from the, 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 dis- the horrendous shooting in Pittsburgh at a temple, a, a Jewish synagogue. And tw- since, that, since that shooting in 12 days, Ty said this repeatedly on the live stream earlier today, literally there's been 12 mass shootings. Mass shootings are uh, defined by four or more people being killed. In 12 days, there's been 12 mass shootings. And Trump is sitting up there doing nothing. The Republicans are obviously doing nothing. Obama had both houses of Congress for two years, did nothing. After Newtown, he cried at a press conference, then said, well, Republicans are the majority, can't do anything. Nobody seems to be able to do anything to protect our children. I want to play you uh, part of Ty's interview um, with a police officer on the ground there. And thanks to Ty for, uh, you know, for really dealing with pain. Uh, Ty needs neck surgery, by the way. Uh, So he's working through a lot of pain. So let me show you this clip. Um, release the uh, the victims' names, or do the families know um, if their uh, children are one of the victims that that's there, that's that's still here, that was a victim of the shooting last night? So we're making notifications to the victims' families. Once we identify the victims, then the next step is to locate where the victims are. So we are making notifications. I don't know how many victims' families have been notified at this point. It's something that's taking some time because some of the the uh, victims are not local, so we have to coordinate the notification with other agencies. This was college night. This was like 18-year-old to 25, 28-year-old young people, and it's tragic, absolutely tragic. I want to, um, I saw, I think it was uh, Jeff Dean, I saw him on CNN, he got real emotional, and, and I was kind of talking about how uh, Sergeant Ron Hellis is a hero. Um, I don't think I'm doing many justice because I don't know him, and I just wanted you to to talk about him because if I, I think you know the idea of protect and serve, and that's what you guys sign up for, and it's 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 one thing to say it and it's one thing to do it, and he did it, and I just want you to I mean tell us about him like the man that he is, and and if you know him like who he was to you. He he was a friend. He was my friend. Uh, Ron Helis was a 29-year veteran. He was a sergeant. He was a trainer. He was a mentor. He was a teacher. He was a leader. He taught these younger deputies how to be effective patrol officers. Beyond that, he was a hero. He rushed in when other people would not. His training kicked in. And by him rushing in, he saved others from being targeted by this madman. Someone actually came out and told me, he's like, hey, you know, thank you so much. What you guys did saved what he did saved saved lives and i absolutely believe that he died a hero yesterday make no mistake and it's something that uh that we won't forget the community won't forget but we are also aware that there are 11 other innocent victims yesterday so we mourn with our with our community and the community mourns with us on a personal note man look so for me i'm really frustrated and sick and tired like like this this is this is becoming too normal. It's becoming too normal. Um, I mean, in, 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 in the news, you saw, you know, they were, they were saying that um, this, this is the, the third uh, mass shooting uh, since, uh, since what happened in Pennsylvania. And it's actually, by definition, the 12th. In 12 days, we have, we've had 12 mass shootings in this, in this, in this country. 
Like on a personal note, like it's it's understandable that you guys sign up for this. That being said, we all want to go home. That's 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 the goal is to go home. Like how frustrating is it for you to have to possibly deal with things like this when it seemed like there's something that could be done to at least prevent it. Like, for me, I understand that there's laws that can be put in place. It probably won't stop it, but, you know, seatbelts don't stop every car death, but it helps. It really helps. And I'm just wondering, like, how frustrating is it for you when you see, like, no one's lifting a finger to do anything to help these kids it's, it's extremely frustrating, and it's obviously a complicated solution. I don't know what that solution is, but what I can tell you is yesterday was senseless. We lost 12 innocent people, 11 victims inside, and Sergeant Helis who responded, who ran into it, and it's tragic. It's tragic, and uh, we never want it to be common. Uh, and uh, when it does become that common, then we as a society are, are have to do things better. It's crazy, right? I mean, I remember Pennsylvania, they were on it for three days and then they went back to Trump's tweets. It's absurd and it's it's scary, really. It's scary that we're becoming indifferent to this because it's becoming so normal. I appreciate you. Thank, Thank you for your time. Thank All you. Right. Right in front of the camera. You're right in front of the camera. It's okay. No problem. So uh, that was uh, um, one of the uh, sheriffs that's a part of the... Uh, the investigation and everything that's going on. He's a Ventura County Sheriff. I did not get his name because I'm an asshole. So there you have it. And I, I intentionally, I intentionally uh, played that a little longer so we could have uh, Ty calling himself an asshole. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just not good at editing. And he's sleeping. So... But thank you to Ty uh, for really, I mean, Ty's in a lot of pain. I could tell you because I had back surgery in May. Uh, it was hard for me to, to get out of bed every morning and work. So the fact that he went out there, I think he was standing there for probably two straight hours, did a bunch of other interviews. So he'll be cutting those up and uh, telling you, uh, you know, we'll be posting them on the channel, of course. Um, obviously, that officer... Police officers, by and large, don't give political statements. So when he says oh, it's a complicated solution, I don't know if he's necessarily saying what he actually thinks because it's really not. It's really not uh, a complicated solution at all. Um, it's not just about this shooting because, again, today, it, it just it, as far as California, they do have strict gun laws. And as far as I know, this uh, gentleman, well, I won't call him a gentleman, uh, this man uh, bought his gun legally. But the, in, in totality, there are too many guns in stock, in supply. There are too many fancy ways. You don't need an AR-15 to do a lot of damage. This uh, gun was, you, they was able to put in an extended magazine. And there's been debates and legislation pushed to limit, limit the size of magazines that could go into guns. But, of course, and Ty interviewed um, somebody from Mother's Demanding Action. Uh, later on in that live stream, and she made a point that I haven't heard, but it, it's just true. Uh, all, all countries have mental health problems. All countries around the world have mental health problems. We're the only one that has massacres on a daily basis. And Ty reported the numbers. We've had 12 mass shootings 
in 12 days, since the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting to this one. And by the way, it's already off the news. They're covering Trump and Sessions and, you know, the chaos there. I'm not saying Sessions getting fired isn't a story, but we also don't have a media that treats this as the abnormal, earth-shattering emergencies that it is. We have a media that focuses on it in real time, does a, does a little play-by-play, doesn't challenge any of the politicians that are responsible for it because they're these people's blood, these college kids' blood is on the politicians' hands. From Trump to Paul Ryan to Mitch McConnell to some Democrats, too. I want to show you, I'm sorry to have to show you this, that if, you, if, if you're not looking to be depressed, I would turn away right now and press the share button. But I'm going to show you... Um, a father was on CNN this morning when it was still kind of blurry whether his son was alive or dead. Um, so I'm going to show you that clip, and then I'm going to show you the after. Here we go. Yeah. Do you have one of the um, tracking apps on your phone to see where his phone is? I do. I do, and it's, it's there. It's at the club. It's not moving. It's not moving. That's the problem. So you can tell that his phone is at the club? His phone is at the club, yes. Yeah. Um, Jason? So that was this morning. Um, you know, obviously watching that the, as an, as an audience, you, you kind of get a sick feeling that his son might be dead, uh, at that club. And then unfortunately we got that confirmation, uh, a little bit later. Here we go. Oh, that I was been here fighting for him all morning long <laughs> and we did just get the news that he was one of the 11 that were hit and killed last night his name was Cody Kaufman my firstborn son only him and I know how much I love how much I miss Oh, God, this is so hard. Oh, son, I love you so much. Oh, Heavenly Father, just please be with you. Cody was the big brother that my kids need. I have a daughter coming on the 29th of this month that he was so excited to have his first sister. And not, uh, n- now they'll, ne- she'll never, ne- oh, oh, Cody, I love you, son. And I just want to thank everybody that let me get out this morning just to put his face on the news. Uh, that this is going to be an absolute heart-wrenching time for me and my family. I just want to say thank you to every one of you. K 
KTLA 5. Thank you, Fox 11. Sorry, I had to show you that, but we need to see the carnage and we need to see the living victims uh, of these massacres because at the end of the day, uh, it's on us to stop this at this point because the politicians are not going to unless we make them. And I would suggest as we, uh, you know, the midterms, which I'm going to get into all that. I was traveling yesterday, so I couldn't give you my thoughts or analysis, but I... I would suggest as the media and as us inevitably turn to 2020, because that's going to be happening soon. The media will start covering the 2020 race before you know it. I would suggest the biggest issue is not the economy or health care or immigration. I would suggest the biggest issue in this country is are you, the person watching me right now, going to make it out alive? by tomorrow. Are you the person watching me now or me? You gonna make it out alive going grocery shopping? You gonna make it out alive going to the movies? A bar? A library? A mall? An arcade? A class? I could go on. And if you think I'm being dramatic, that's the point. Because it's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. You can't have a democracy. You can't have a country. You can't have humanity. If it's totally luck of the draw, if you're even going to make it alive. If you're not guaranteed safety. Accidents can happen. People die of accidents all the time, crossing the street, car accidents, falling from a construction crew. But these are not accidents. Yes, Paul, it is the Wild West. These are not accidents. We are allowing massacres to happen because we are the United Corporations of America. And as such, our politicians care more not about this. They don't give a damn about the Second Amendment, which, by the way, go re read up on it. The Second Amendment doesn't allow you to have bazooka guns. The Second Amendment doesn't allow citizens to go around with AR-15 semi-automatic rifle bazooka guns. Second Amendment says nothing about unlimited magazines and a gun. I could go on. You could have mental illness. You could have disgruntled people. You could have people who served our country and have PTSD. I don't know that for a fact, but this was a veteran. And there's some reports that he might have had PTSD. That's pretty regular. And that's another epidemic that's not being treated. Veteran PTSD. But one thing we don't have to have is weapons of war and accessories that allow normal guns to be made into weapons of war to put in the hands of the disturbed to put in the hands of people that aren't responsible gun owners. It's not a mental health issue. It's the guns. Now, I have depression. I take medication for it. I've been hospitalized for depression. I'm not ashamed of it. I got help because I needed it. Mental health issues are real. I'm not minimizing it. We do have a mental health epidemic in this country, 
part, a, a big part of which is because of the gross economic desperation and hopelessness of the majority of America. Uh, not, you know, I've already given my thoughts. This economy is booming for the few, not the many. But mines don't kill people. Guns kill people. This guy would not go in a bar or club and murder 12 people in their 20s. I don't know the, all the ages, but mostly people in their 20s with a knife. It's not possible. And when, when, when the gun fanatics say that and, and cite to stabbing attacks, yeah, there were multiple people, multiple people stabbing people. You don't go into a bar or anywhere and kill 12 people with a knife. You'd be attacked and knocked down before that happened. So, honestly, uh, you know, the, the, you saw the tweets and the promotions and the campaign slogans, vote like it's your life on the line. Well, the election's over, and we need to act like it's our life on the line. Because the first thing I thought about, first thing I thought about, honestly, uh, and I think about it a lot, I don't have children um, at this, I don't have children, but I do have a nephew and, and I have a niece on the way and, you know, they are the equivalent of my children. You know, I love my nephew like, it, like it's my son. And I'm just, you know, he's not of that age yet, but I'm just afraid for him to go to school one day. I mean, right now he's in, you know, he's three and a half, so he's not even in kindergarten yet, but I am afraid for, for my nephew and my soon-to-be-born niece, and, and everyone. I'm just afraid. And honestly, I'm not trying to get on my soapbox. And as a reminder, this is a super chat. So if you like what I'm saying, if you, if you want to support Ty and his reporting, who did a great job, show us your love. Every, every dollar counts. But the 2020 election doesn't matter. And the Democrats taking the House doesn't matter. And none of this matters if we're all open, if we're all just target practice. Jason Delore, I have a child and I would like to protect my home from criminals with my guns. The two aren't mutually exclusive, Jason. You could have guns in your home if you're a legal gun owner. We're talking about weapons of war. We're talking about uh, extended magazines so that you could fire off more rounds. We're talking about the NRA. You know, the NRA has been trying to stop something called smart guns. Smart guns are basically smart guns. It has a sensor. So the only person who could shoot it is the person who owns it. Sounds like common sense, right? The only one, you got a fingerprint, and that's the only way that gun could go off. NRA's against it. Of course they're against it. Uh, a Washington state judge literally just ruled against the NRA because the NRA was fighting gun, safer gun storage units. The NRA is not a lobby. They're terrorists. Let's call them what they are. They are terrorists. Thank you, Hugh, for the two bucks. Appreciate it. And I'm not going to push the GoFundMe too hard today because obviously it's a sad day and I don't want to be hawking money. But we are very close to our goal. Uh, well, our goal is 50000 but we're getting closer to our mini goals. So uh, we're about $900 shy of um, 20000 so thank you to everyone who's contributed. And if you're feeling, uh, if you liked our reporting in Flint, if you liked seeing Ty out there today, if you want to see more of it, you know what to do. 
the link's right there in the description box, and we'll put it in the live chat as we go. 271 people have contributed so far. Sorry if I'm not sounding excited. I'm just tired of... I'm tired of this. And you know, what Ty was saying is so true. Thank you, CT, for the 299. You know, we all just want to go home. He wasn't talking about the media wants to go home. He was saying, we all just want to go home. We want to be able to go out with our day, work, have dinner with our family, go out to a bar if we want to, yada, yada, yada. And these kids that went there, I think that it was for like a country music night. They're going underground because our politicians are fucking spineless. So we'll keep covering it. One of the things, honestly, uh, going back to the GoFundMe, one of the things Ty and I wanted to do uh, from the beginning was um, we wanted to do a living victims tour. We want to go to multiple states um, and cities that have had these mass shootings that essentially nobody even remembers half of these places. Um, and we want to talk to the family members of people who have died. We want to talk to the students that are, might very well now be adults uh, and see what their lives are like, their PTSD, their trauma, what, what, has, what do their lives mean. We want to talk to politicians and challenge politicians that are taking this blood money. Uh, and when we mapped it out, uh, everywhere we wanted to go, frankly, we just don't, we didn't have the funds. We still don't have the funds, to be honest. So that's, that's what we're doing here. We're trying to raise funds to do real reporting because we believe uh, real reporting is part of the solution. And we're going to get to a Flint story later where there's some things happening in the background that might show that our major bombshell report that we released last week might very well produce some change after all. So I'll have more on that later. So uh, I'm going to shift from this tragedy and, and thank you to Ty. Uh, well, we'll be cutting that up into clips so you could see uh, his reporting on the ground there from uh, right near that shooting. But there is also, I mean, if you want to if you want to say from tragedy to a little bit of hope, there is now hope uh, politically speaking for, uh, I guess, the Gillum campaign, which I didn't give a postmortem because I was traveling. Uh, but it looks like now I won't be able to give a postmortem because it looks like as of now, he has uh, reached, he has got, gained enough votes uh, to where there, if the margin holds, there will have to be an automatic recount. So uh, this is, as of now, let's see, this is the, that is the um, results in Florida right now. So 0.4%, a 0.5% issues an automatic recount or triggers an automatic recount. So the votes haven't stopped being counted, um, so that's positive. I'm going to get to Gillum and DeSantis in a, in a little bit. I just wanted to show you, if you don't know, that right now, if that margin holds, there's going to be a recount in Florida uh, for governor. But I want to start with Georgia, because to me, this isn't even about an election. This is about, do we have a democracy or do we not? Do we have a free and fair elections or do we not? And I think the answer is clearly, we do not. So that, unless something has changed since I've gone live, that is the total right now, 50.3 for criminal Brian Kemp and 48.7 for Stacey Abrams. Uh, before I get to the clip I want to play, uh, so you have an update, Brian Kemp, after purging hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of voters in Georgia, 
It's not an exaggeration. Those are the numbers. He has purged hundreds of thousands of voters in Georgia. After he did that, and after it looks like he's going to be declared governor, it's not over, but as of now, he's winning. After he did his business, he resigned as Secretary of State today. Go figure, right? Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, resigned Thursday as his gubernatorial race with Democrat Stacey Abrams remains too close to call. In a statement, the Georgia Secretary of State's office said Kemp submitted his resignation. The Republican was the state's top election official, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's such a farce. This whole thing is like legalized theft. It is legalized theft. It is, you want to talk about rigged elections? And I think Bernie's election was rigged during the primaries. This is literally the stealing of an election in front of America's eyes. And there seems to be very little recourse at this moment. And I think Ava DuVernay, she's a award-winning filmmaker, she said it best. The games they play, Kemp resigns after the damage is done. Thousands of voters purged and suppressed, but still, Abrams can win Georgia. If you cast a paper slash provisional ballot, fight. Validate your vote at the county election office by Friday. Bring ID plus ballot receipt with the number. And the Abrams campaign sent this out. Uh, this uh, No, not this. Uh, that. Recently, I think within the last hour or two, this is how close we are. And there are enough uncounted ballots out there to push us into runoff election territory. Hashtag count every vote. If you voted by mail or by provisional ballot, call voter protection ASAP uh, with the number right there. And they're showing we only need 23,275 more votes to trigger a re- um, uh, I, I, it, it would trigger a runoff, really, because in Georgia, if whichever candidate, if, if, if they don't get more than the majority, which would obviously be 50 percent, it's an automatic runoff between the two candidates. So uh, it might be even smaller than that since I've went live. But this is how close it is. And can you imagine for a second if a court? This is Rolling Stones reporting. Look at how many voters were purged in Georgia under Brian Kemp as Secretary of State. 340,000 voters improperly removed. Now, of course, some of those might have went to Kemp. But, you know, if you look in American history, purge voters, usually black. Those are the bulk of them. 340,000 of those voters remained at their original address. They should have never been removed from the voter registration rolls. CEO of Cohere One, who led a review of the purge list, told journalist Greg Pallast, who's been doing God's work, frankly, on these purges and has basically been ostracized from the mainstream media. Go check out Greg Pallast's work. Um, But... I want to show you a clip from this morning to show you just what a farce this is. This is Stacey Abrams' campaign, uh, lawyers and advisors and whatever, speaking at a press conference this morning. Here we go. All of the votes in this race have not been counted. For example, this morning at 8, 10 a.m., Cobb County reported additional early advance votes. In fact, they reported 236 votes for Abrams, 65 
for Kemp and two for Metz. We had all been under the impression that all the early votes were in in Cobb County, and I believe they were listed at 100% reporting. Votes are still being counted, ladies and gentlemen, and the votes of all the voters of Georgia deserve to be counted before the now former Secretary of State announces his victory. Some additional votes that have not been counted are our military and overseas ballots. In Fulton County alone, that number is 1,000 votes, and there are more all over the state. Those have until Friday to arrive and be counted. Our members of the military deserve to have their votes counted. Our litigation team is going to walk you through some of the other reports we are hearing of folks in Georgia and Georgians around the country whose votes have not been counted. The Secretary of State Brian Kemp and his campaign operation at the Secretary of State's office has had us believe that there are 22,000 outstanding provisionals and last night I believe it was their pollster who said there were additional 3,000. They did not say there were more early votes to be found in Cobb County. They said it was just Chatham County. They have not provided you, members of the media, our campaign, or the public with the county counts of those alleged 22,000 provisionals. They have not provided those lists or those breakdowns. This is all public information, ladies and gentlemen, public information. We demand that Secretary Kemp, his campaign, Candace Gross, I'm not sure who's paying her, whoever it is, Chris Harvey, I'm not sure. They need to release all the data, all the numbers, and they need to count every single vote. But you know what? They probably can't because I don't know that they know where all those votes are. The final thing I will say is that overall, Brian Kemp is 25,622 votes above the threshold for a runoff election. 25,000 votes of nearly 4 million cast are at issue in this race. By his own admission, there are at least 25,000 outstanding votes and hundreds, if not thousands, of more that we are learning about and discovering every day. Georgians deserve to have their votes counted. The other number is 23,372. That is the number that would move this contest into a recount. It would put it under the 1% threshold. And if we found 23,372 additional votes for Stacey Abrams, we would be in that 1% threshold permitted to not only request a recount, but it would have to be granted by the Secretary of State. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Allegra, who's going to walk. So there you have uh, one justifiably pissed off 
Stacey Abrams, uh, I believe uh, one of the attorneys there, I could be wrong. Um, I got to tell you something, and I hate to criticize her campaign, which by the way, yes, I'm seeing some comments, the, the Deep South is hella racist. The fact that Stacey Abrams, a, a African-American woman, is this close, this close with hundreds of thousands of votes purged in the state, that is progress. Frankly, she would have won with a comfortable margin, if not for this purging. But I have to, I have to, I have to beg to differ here um, with the Abrams campaign. And I also will give you a little insight into conversations I had with Bernie Sanders' campaign during the 2016 primary, where after the New York primary purge, which got very little coverage, but 200,000 people were purged off the rolls in New York City, a majority in Brooklyn, where Bernie was born and is a very, very progressive city, I said to the campaign, why is it that you're not fighting harder? Why? Why aren't you hollering and screaming about this? And I was told from some people, not on the record, but, you know, behind the scenes, that Bernie didn't want to appear as a sore loser. They wanted to focus on Pennsylvania. And he felt that if he would have, you know, emphasized the New York primary purge and really went in on it, then it would make him look like a sore loser. Well... I got to tell you, uh, to the Abrams campaign, although I totally agree with fighting for every last vote, um, it's not, frankly, you should be saying, regardless, we are not accepting the results of this election, period, point blank. You should be saying, we are suing so that every single voter that should have not been purged is allowed to vote. Hell, if you have to create an election day 2.0, then that's what we're going to do. They should have said this before the election. They should have said that they are not going to accept any result that has Brian Kemp winning. Because, frankly, this election is what happens in banana republics. This election is what happens in banana republics. And I understand the Abrams campaign was probably in a tough position. And she didn't want to look uh, like a sore loser or, you know, maybe there were fears of race, racism and things like that. But the bottom line is, you cannot concede an election. And you cannot even, let's say they don't meet the number needed for the runoff. You should still not concede because the election was theft. You have a secretary of state also running for governor. You have the Secretary of State literally purging hundreds of thousands of people off the rolls that, could, that are likely Democratic voters. And you're going to even entertain that you'll accept these results? There should be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. There's plenty of wealthy progressives in the country that will fund it. And you should say, we're not, we're, you, know, you want to talk about Russian threats to our democracy? This is not democracy. This is election fraud and election theft. And frankly, other than the year 2000, I can't think of something this egregious. Stacey Abrams is literally down 
I think less than two percentage points when 100,000 people were purged by this governor for laughable reasons, by the way. Excuse me, by this Secretary of State. And as that worker for uh, Stacey Abrams' campaign said, Kemp, as Secretary of State, his office isn't even releasing the full information and the full counties and information of outstanding votes to the Abrams campaign. Basically, one of the candidates, by default, is rigging the game against the other candidate. And apparently it's legal in this country for just blatant contract conflicts of interest like that to exist. And by the way, I mean, I understand Trump fired Jeff Sessions and that's a big deal and he put in place a sycophant and that's a big deal, but the media should be on the ground in Georgia and it should be leading every single newscast and it should be the main story. If we had the funding, we would be on the ground there right now. Because you can't talk about Russia or, or you know, pretend you care about democracy and, you know, our, our free and fair elections and hashtag vote and everybody needs to vote. This election is a joke. It's legal theft. And by the way, it's an insult to black people all over this country. Because Stacey Abrams, if she's going to lose, first of all, she's still, it's still history because she's the first, I think, black uh, nominee or black female nominee. But you are insulting black people who they could have history and we could have history with her election. I don't think she's like uber duber, super, super progressive, but it's still history and it's Georgia. I don't expect like Bernie Sanders to go in and become governor of Georgia. It's pretty damn Republican. And frankly, pretty damn racist. But we should not. And the Abrams campaign, I don't care if they don't get the necessary 23 votes. They should not concede this election. They should hammer Kemp with legal challenges. There should be protests outside the governor's mansion. And they should not rest until every single vote is cast. Don't normalize and accept election fraud. Period. Thank you, Kelly, for the 10 bucks to the GoFundMe. And we'd like to go to Georgia. We'd like to go to Florida with the news that there's going to be a recount. Uh, should There might be, uh, at this point, a recount if the margins hold in Gillum versus DeSantis. We just need more funding. So go to the GoFundMe if you can. We're at 19,000. Let's see. Let's see. We're at 19,102. We just got that $10 from Kelly. So now we're less than $900 away from our $20,000 goal. But I got to tell you, I mean, I, I really have never seen anything like this in Georgia. It is legalized theft of an election. I mean, I covered the whole 2016 campaign. There was election fraud like you wouldn't believe. This is a different level. This is a different level. And it's transparent and it's out in the open. And this is from the Georgia Democrats. Brian Kemp's self-coronation using taxpayer resources is a legally meaningless political stunt. Zero out of 159 counties have certified votes. Zero votes are officially reported until next week, and tens of thousands of votes have not been counted. 
I believe they're talking about him resigning as Secretary of State. Oh, thank you for resigning as Secretary of State after you stole the election. That's very, very, a lot of integrity there. And by the way, can, can I make a statement? And I don't. This has nothing to do with the DNC or Tom Perez's centrist milk toast policies. Why the fuck isn't Tom Perez like on the front lines screaming and hollering? Why are the emails not flooding in? Calling on people to protest, calling on people to call their uh, congressman and senator, call the White House, call the attorney general's office. What? Am I missing something? Is Tom Perez or the DNC or the Democratic Party like out front on this? Of course not. Because as Nancy Pelosi says, now that they retook the House, they're going to be they're going to be bipartisan and have an exchange in the marketplace of ideas, which we all know what that means. Serve our donors, but we're going to sound nicer than Trump. Thank you, Gene, for the 20 bucks in the super chat. Thanks for reporting on this, Jordan. I mean, it, it's literally legalized theft of an election. I, I, I barely see it on the news anymore. I mean, if you want to know what's going on in this election, you follow Sean King's Twitter. He's been on it. Uh, the Intercept's been on it. A couple places, but by and large, this is going to be allowed to happen in plain sight if we don't do something about it. And it doesn't matter if you live in Georgia, by the way. It's not about Georgia. This is about America. You can't have elected officials, Secretary of I mean, for God's sakes, the Secretary of State of Florida during the 2000 election who certified it, Kathleen Harris, was literally a co-chair on Bush's campaign, and she was the one deciding if there could be a recount and if votes could be continued before the Supreme Court stopped it. I mean, are there any conflicts of interest laws in this country? Are there, are there even laws anymore? Or are we just a banana republic? Because that's what it seems like to me. Sorry, I'm getting a little heated about this. So I'm going to stay on this. Full disclosure, uh, I texted Ty before I went live and I said, if we get the money, uh, would you want to go down to Georgia? Uh, or could you go down to Georgia? Because he needs surgery. He, he doesn't have a doctor's appointment for, I think, another week. Um, he said, yeah, so we're just looking for funding. So... We're telling you what, you, what we want to do. And by the way, it's not just Georgia. We might have to go down to Florida too because there might be a recount there. And we, of course, we know there's going to be shenanigans and those Republicans are going to try to stop that from happening. So we'd like to be out. We would like to get out on the ground, folks. Help us do it. We're not asking for our health. We were just in Flint. We've been to Dallas with this GoFundMe GoFund money. We have other uh, places we're looking to go. Uh, I'm about to plan, hopefully, a trip to Montana to cover uh, the Keystone Pipeline before construction starts. Uh, Montana and South Dakota, that is. So help us do it. We want to get to $20,000 by the end of this week. So that would be by Sunday. Every amount counts. If every single person watches, we're at 166 people right now on YouTube, however many on Twitter. If every single person throws in five bucks, we'll get there. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And of course, the Super Chat contributions. So in addition to Georgia, in addition to Georgia, uh, Andrew Gillum's campaign conceded on the night of the election. Tell you the truth, I don't know who was telling him to do that. Maybe the same people who were giving him advice to campaign with Hillary Clinton and do fundraisers with Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Just keep it real. Uh, 
as I went live, these are the results in Florida now, which triggers, will trigger if the margins hold and this result holds, uh, will trigger an automatic recount in Florida. So uh, DeSantis, 49.6, Gillum, 49.2. And obviously, I mean, you can't really get closer than that. Uh, so this would be an automatic recount, uh, but not all the votes are counted. So it very well could deadlock. Or more could come in for DeSantis, putting him over the 0.5%. Again, 0.5, a difference of 0.5 triggers an automatic recount. Um, you know, I thought today, I thought today, do I really want to give my analysis on Andrew Gillum and his campaign and the election results? Because there's still a chance he could win. There's still a chance he could win. Um, because frankly, what I have to say is not so kind to Andrew Gillum, to be honest with you. Um, I want him to win over Ron DeSantis, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't live in Florida, but as I said, even though I reported on who he was taking money from and the mistakes I thought he was making, I still think he's better than Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis is a Trump mini-me. I think he's dangerous. I think he's racist. And I think Andrew Gillum would make a better governor than him. I think every single person in Florida, especially progressive, is going to have to hold him to the hot seat right away because he sprinted to the center. But I thought, do I really want to do this uh, today? And the answer is, yeah, I have to, because I have to do my job, and that is to report the truth. So I want to show you a poll. I want to show you the polls in Florida before this election happened. This is Real Clear Politics' average of polls in Florida. The one I highlighted was... Uh, the poll was taken between October 16th and October 20th. It was taken by CNN, so pretty reputable poll. It had Andrew Gillum up by 12 points. Okay, so this was taken October 16th to October 20th. Andrew Gillum was up 12 points. On October 21st, so a day after that poll, that poll was finished gathering, Andrew Gillum had a debate on CNN with Ron DeSantis. And let me show you, as a reminder, a clip from that. So here's what people need to know. He's Andrews for this concept, Medicare for all, which is a euphemism. Because if you read it, it actually abolishes Medicare for seniors. It abolishes Medicare Advantage. It abolishes TRICARE. And as a veteran, I know that military families depend on it. If you get your insurance through your employer, it abolishes that. And it dumps all those people against their will, regardless of if they want to stay in their current plans, it dumps them on a single-payer government system. Taxes will go through the roof. We'll obviously face fiscal difficulties. It will hemorrhage money. And then the government will choose who gets the care and who doesn't. Floridians should have their care protected. Seniors should be able to stay with Medicare Advantage. They should be able to stay with Medicare. If you Thank get you. it through your employer, you should be able to keep it. Well, again, uh, and I expect we'll hear a lot of this revisionist uh, uh, commentary in history this evening from Mr. DeSantis. Uh, but in fact, what we're proposing to do is to take $6 billion of money that ought to be coming to the state of Florida and to bring that money here to the state. Listen, there are Democrats and Republicans, folks on both sides of the aisle, who believe that this is the right thing to do. Uh, uh, Mr. DeSantis, while in Congress, voted uh, to... So I'm going to continue that. 
I'm going to continue that, but I want to I want to be clear. What he is talking about? If you have diabetes, if... let's continue. Discriminate and allow insurance companies to discriminate against people based off of pre-existing conditions. Let's, if let's... you're a cancer patient, if you have diabetes, if you are a pregnant woman go right in there. the state of Florida, that is a pre-existing condition. It's disqualifying. Congressman DeSantis, you voted for the Republican health care plan in the House, which would have stripped Obamacare's protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Do you believe insurance companies should be allowed to charge more to people who have pre-existing conditions? Pre-existing conditions should be covered in that bill. They were required to be covered. It just gave states the ability to be able to um, do that in a way that would lower premiums for other people. Here's what I would say as governor. If somebody somehow falls through the crack... By the way, just on DeSantis, and I'm going to get to why DeSantis is so terrible too. Do you notice when it, when he lies, if you watch the debate, when he lies... to Gillum. If there's a change in law federally or court decision, um, I will sign a bill uh, to take care of people with pre-existing conditions. We need to take care of those folks. But you know what? I know people in the military, families with people with pre-existing conditions who are on TRICARE. Andrew's running away from Medicare for All, but he ran commercials in the primary saying how he was for it. Medicare for All takes away TRICARE. It forces military families onto a single-payer government plan. So here's the thing. I want protections. I want to have a lot of things for plans, but you actually have to have access to a physician. You can't get stuck on a waiting list under a single-payer plan. Man, I don't make the VA waiting list look like the fast pass at Disney World. Mayor Gill. Listen, uh, Mr. DeSantis uh, wants to correct his record now, but for six years while in Congress, he voted over a dozen times uh, to repeal the ACA. Uh, he voted to allow insurance companies to discriminate against people based off of pre-existing conditions. For those folks who are at home, uh, if you're sitting on the couch with one other person, uh, between the two of you, probably one of you has a pre-existing condition. And this congressman would have allowed for insurance companies to discriminate against you based off of that pre-existing condition. He told a cancer patient who wanted to know without insurance coverage, how would they get access to health care? He said you could always go to the emergency room. Now, we disagree on a lot, but on Thank that you. statement alone, well, Congressman DeSantis is disqualified. The point was, when you talk about this coverage, what does that coverage get you? The f are concerned. Uh, about getting sick because if they get sick in this state, they can't go to work. If they can't go to work, they can't earn a wage. If they can't earn a wage, they can't pay their bills. And when they don't pay their bills, something gets cut off. Thank you. Uh, this is not, uh, th th this issue is deserving of our time because uh, this, is, this is not something we can just walk past. This is the issue that is at the top of mind for everyday Floridians, and we deserve to hear from the congressman exactly what his health care proposal is. He's been promising one for months. Nothing has Final come from his office. On this. Well, look, Andrew wants to take away employer-provided coverage. He thinks it should be it's illegal. You support Medicare for all. Read the bill. Define That's what Medicare it does. For all. You ran commercials saying you supported single-payer. You said you would do a single-payer confederacy with New York and California. Man, our taxes will go up, and then we'll send all the money to California. That's not a good health care plan for Floridians. So I want to protect people's current arrangements. Government should not force you off your plans. And neither would I. Uh, the so you get the hang of it, folks. Andrew Gillum, there's no other way to say it. He ran as a progressive. He had a huge upset in the primary as a progressive. And then he surrounded himself with Democratic Party insiders, consultants, Hillary Clinton, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> he might end up winning if, if, if the recount goes his way. But honestly, I would t by these numbers, I mean, look at this. Look at this. He was up by 12 points before that debate. 
He was up by 12 points before that debate. After that debate, all of a sudden, the numbers start shrinking. Down to six, down to, down to seven, four. DeSantis up in one poll. Gillum up one, five, six, one. Now, you, you're not up by 12 points before, the, before a nationally televised debate, which I assume most Floridians tuned into. Frankly, most people, most people want to feel that their candidate is authentic and standing by their principles, even if you don't necessarily believe in those principles. That's why Bernie does so well among independents and, frankly, a lot of Republicans, because they might not agree with him on everything, but they know he's authentic and he's consistent. And I would argue you're not falling 12 points up in a poll. Uh, This is three weeks before the election, up 12 points, down to basically a tie right now. If you didn't run away from unabashed, wear it on your sleeve progressivism. And, and straight up, I mean, look at these numbers. There's been folks online. I know ben Dixon, Benjamin Dixon, who is um, a progressive media host. I, I, I've only met him once. I like him, so it's nothing personal. But he has kind of gone after, I guess, progressive commentators saying that the reason Gillum lost all this ground was because um, he ran away from Medicare for all. He said, you know, that I, I don't know if he definitively said this, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he basically said, like, you know, that's us white people saying it, and it's really, uh, it was, racism is at hand here. And I don't want to minimize that. I mean, I went to school in Florida. Florida, it, you know, in, in South Florida is a lot different than Northern Florida. Northern Florida definitely has tinges of Georgia and that Southern racism. But I have a hard time believing that Andrew Gillum lost 12 points in, in a span of three weeks, exclusively because of racism. I, I'm sorry, that doesn't make sense. Especially, especially in a state that literally just voted to restore the voting rights for 1.4 million former felons, predominantly black. So I don't know how those two things go hand in hand. I really don't. This is a state that voted for Andrew Gillum to be the nominee in the in the Democratic primary. So. I'm not saying racism doesn't play a part at all, and I am white, so I understand I, I, that carries a certain amount of privilege, and I don't completely understand. I always say this to Ty when we travel, like, I don't pretend to understand everything, but the numbers are the numbers. 12 points. 12 points, he's up. Right before that CNN debate, that CNN debate, he moonwalks as fast as humanly possible away from his progressive policies. And I'm not saying him pushing for a Medicaid expansion is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if you're running on Medicare for all, and that's why you won the primary, why would you go and do the same exact thing every single Democrat who has lost does? Surround yourself with establishment consultants who want your money, not for you to win. And they tell you, you got to move to the center. You, got, you know, if, if, if you're this progressive, if you're pushing Medicare for all, you'll lose here. You'll lose this part of the state. You'll lose this. Be authentic. Run on what you believe and let the cards fall where they fall because I got news for you. Look at the exit polls. Look at the exit polls. These are the midterm exit polls. The top issue was health care. The top issue in America was not the economy. It was health care by a lot. 41%. Forty-one percent said in the exit polls, healthcare was their issue. Well, 
gee, if a candidate, a charismatic candidate like Andrew Gillum is saying we're, we're going to push, if I'm governor, we're putting in a single payer health care system that covers all Floridians. Hmm. And my main issue is health care. That kind of sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, again, he might end up winning. He might end up winning. The results are super close, and he is now within range for a recount. No, he's not in range for a recount. The numbers as it stands, unless something has changed while I'm live, he has reached the threshold. It's, he's, he's down by 0.4%. 0.5% triggers a recount. So if those numbers hold, there's going to be a recount. But sorry to tell you, if he would have stuck with his progressive bona fides, you don't lose 12 points for no reason. I don't think a lot, uh, if we look through the numbers when they're out, it wouldn't surprise me if he lost quite a few, quite, quite a large margin of people who voted for him in the primary because they saw him doing fundraisers with Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Hillary Clinton and Michael Bloomberg. And I don't want to hear, because I have heard it from some of his, some people around him, you know, Florida, it's complicated. You know, he had to. Every state's politics is complicated. I've been to 35 states in the last three years. Every state political system is a sewer. Every state is complex. But you know what's not complex? And I think Bernie showed this, and even though he was faking it, Trump showed this to a lesser extent. When you're authentic, when you actually put out what you believe and screw the polls and screw the consultants, you got a much better shot of winning. And I'm telling you, I'm not a political strategist. I think Andrew Gillum would have won by probably three to five points if he would have ran in the general election on Medicare for All and been proud about it and explained why it's better for Floridians instead instead of ducking and diving in that debate. He also ran away from abolishing ICE during that debate. So it'll be interesting to see as the numbers come out was his progressive voter turnout as strong as during the primaries? My guess is it wasn't because of moonwalking away. And as I said, even though I've reported critically on Andrew Gillum and, and gave my thoughts, I would like to see him as governor over Ron DeSantis any day of the week. Let's not be perfectionists here. Nash, as far as the presidency, I feel different differently about that, and I am against lesser of two evils thinking. On a state level, would I rather Andrew Gillum than a Trump mini-me? Yeah, I would, even if he's not totally my cup of tea politically. He's better. So that's the deal, folks. That's where it stands. I think Gillum made strategic mistake after strategic mistake. I think he listened to the wrong people. And now, you know, he technically within... uh, there should be a recount, so we'll see what happens. But I don't think it would have been this close if he would have stuck to his guns. Not literally guns, but you get what I'm saying. And just been himself and actually pushed what he believes in. If that's Medicare for all, he should have pushed that. Because I think it's a political winner because 70% of America wants it. And I would venture to think most Floridians would support it if a candidate could articulate what it would mean for them and that it wouldn't cost them more money in the end. So, uh, 
We went through the mass shooting, unfortunately. We went through Georgia. We went through Florida. Uh, I want to update you on our Flint reporting. We were just in Flint. You might have not seen it because YouTube, unfortunately, has been throttling this channel again. Uh, YouTube suddenly decides not to let people know when I'm live uh, in certain ways. Uh, the views for the Flint videos are pretty low because most people probably didn't even get them in their feeds. So make sure when I'm not live, definitely, definitely, definitely go check out uh, the videos we've done from Flint. We have, we have some more that we're going to be uh, showing you, uh, publishing as the days go on. But Jen and I, Jen and I uh, worked on a story very, very hard. Uh, for the last few months. And I'm not going to get into the full explanation now. I will at, at a certain point. But if I'm keeping it real, uh, that story was supposed to be published last week uh, for Newsweek, for Newsweek magazine. That story was supposed to be published. Um, we didn't want to mention where it was going to be because people, uh, the state of Michigan and some other forces have tried to get the story killed several times. Uh, and the day before it was supposed to be published, Newsweek magazine, because it's a corporate media outlet and because they're spineless and because they don't quite understand the gravity of what we found, uh, Newsweek magazine decided to kill the story. And I'm going to have a lot, I'm going to go into a lot more detail, not just about Newsweek magazine, but all the other outlets that killed this story uh, at a later date, because that is a story in itself. That is a story in itself. But the story was supposed to go out on Newsweek Online last Thursday, uh, and it was supposed to be in the magazine this week. And it is a story that we got by knocking on 400, no, well now, 450 doors we have knocked on in Flint, Michigan since the summer. And if you didn't read it, I encourage you, go check it out. It's up on Status Quo's Medium page. It's not a quick read by any means. It will take you a little bit, but it's crucial that you know what's going on and you share it and you get this out. Basically, Jen and I, through our reporting and knocking on doors, we found out that the state of Michigan, the environmental agency, sent officials to Flint residents' homes and ran their water before taking lead and copper samples, which is called flushing. They flushed out, they flushed the water before taking the sample, which is illegal. The EPA's lead and copper rule, which is the main drinking water regulation, says that to collect a sample, if you're taking samples that are meant for EPA regulatory compliance, the water has to be totally stagnant, totally stagnant, meaning not used, for a minimum of six hours. The, the sample also has to be taken as a first draw which in English just means as soon as you turn on the tap, put the sample bottle in. You don't let the water run. We found in 31 homes, now it's more, but when we went to publish this story, we found that at least 31 homes that were part of the state of Michigan's official group of homes that they continually tested since the Flint water crisis became a national scandal. They were called the Sentinel Homes because it was the Sentinel testing program. And basically what that means is this was the group of homes that the state of Michigan, for whatever reason, we don't know why they chose these specific homes, chose these homes to continue testing them for two years to see are the levels in Flint decreasing. 
And these are the homes that the state of Michigan sent out press releases every so often. Flint lead levels are going down. Flint's lead levels are going down. Flint's levels are now below the EPA's uh, regula regulatory level. And all the media, because they're stenographers who don't look into anything, simply regurgitated what the state of Michigan was telling them. And basically, that's how Governor Snyder shut down the water pods in Flint. They shut down the water pods in April in Flint, citing this very data. So Jen and I did something very radical. You ready for it? We went, instead of going to the beach this summer, instead of spending time with her kids, Jen sacrificed time with her kids. Instead of me relaxing after back surgery, we went up and down Flint for three weeks. If you, rem if you remember, uh, I was, we were kind of incognito where we were, because frankly, I was warned, be careful. Meaning, be careful for your physical safety doing this. So that's why for a good, if you ever see me go dark or me go underground or me not tell you where I am or what we're working on, it's, it, it's for my safety. Because I'm not dramatizing this line of work can be dangerous if you're going after some big fish. And we were. So we kept knocking on doors and we found the official list. We found the official list of homes that were on this state program. The state of Michigan has hit it. They've only put the street addresses, so the street addresses. They didn't put the house numbers. We were able to track that down. And once we got those addresses for the specific house numbers, we started going up and down Flint. And we were knocking on doors. And we simply said, hey, do state officials come to your home and, and test your water? Residents would say yes or no. Say, do you remember how they tested? Did they turn the water on? Did they turn the water on and take the sample right away? Or did they turn the water on, let the water run at, for a little bit, and then take the sample? It wasn't hard, folks. All of a sudden, we start finding many, many examples of DEQ, Department of Environmental Quality Officials, as well as uh, Flint residents that were a part of a program called the CORE program. And the core program were basically Flint residents that were hired by the state environmental agency to go around to people's homes, uh, make sure they have water filters, help them put on their water filters if they don't know how to do it, make sure they have the proper resources. Well, both Department of Environmental Quality officials as well as uh, these workers from the core program who frankly were trained by DEQ. I don't really think it's their fault. These were Flint residents, most of them just looking for a paycheck. So I think they, told, they did what they were told to do. But the bottom line is we found 31 homes. It was a mix of Department of Environmental Quality, the, the environmental agency, and these core workers going into residents' homes and running their water before a test, before a lead and copper test, which is illegal. Or they didn't, get, they didn't do it themselves, but they gave instructions verbally to residents, run the water before you test. But basically, folks, we found that they cooked the data in a large number of homes. We pitched this to multiple news outlets. And without getting too into it, because we have a documentary coming out about this reporting, and all of the details about the media and trying to get this published will be in there. I, you live and you learn, folks. I wasted months trying to get this published in a corporate media outlet because I was still had a little naivety left to think that a corporate media outlet would print this kind of truth. And in the last moment, they didn't. They didn't. And we will explain all of that. But just so you know, 
Literally, the Newsweek editor, when they decided to kill it, they said, like in politics, when you're explaining, you've lost. Literally, they told us they were too inept to explain the story so they wouldn't publish it. It was too complicated for them to explain. Well, that was on Wednesday. Jen and I and Ty had already booked our flights and rent the cars and Airbnb to Flint. And we said, you know what? To hell with it. The governor's election is on Tuesday. It just passed. The Democrat Gretchen Whitmer uh, won. So finally, Rick Snyder's leaving. He's, his term, he's term limited and there will be a Democrat in office. This Democrat will have to hold her feet to the fire, says she's going to reopen free water bottle distribution in Flint. We will see if she actually does that. The talk is good right now. We'll see if she follows through. And we will hold her accountable to follow through on that promise. But we said to hell with it. We're self-publishing it. Well, apparently Newsweek didn't understand the story and they're too stupid to explain it. Apparently the majority explained it because we posted it on Twitter. Excuse me. We posted the story on Twitter. It's the top. It's on the top of my Twitter profile. And it started going pretty viral. I think it has like 1,100 retweets. Uh, Congressman Rokana tweeted and called for an investigation immediately. Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard tweeted calling for an investigation. Um, Abdul El Sayed, who was the, uh, uh, the progressive candidate in the Democratic primary, has tweeted calling for an investigation. Uh, not to name drop, but Susan Sarandon tweeted about it. Uh, some others, a lot of other uh, progressives have tweeted about it. And uh, Jen and I are not going to, I don't want to get into it right now, but uh, we did knock on more doors in Flint. Uh, even, even after we published the story, we decided to knock on more doors to get even more evidence. And shocker, we got a whole lot of other evidence, including the fact that they were literally testing homes and putting it on the official state data sheet that they used to say Flint's levels are under EPA regulations now. They're literally testing homes with full professional filtration systems. You're not supposed to be testing for EPA regulatory compliance, homes that have full filtration systems. Duh, you're going to get low numbers. So basically what we found is Michigan cooked the books. We're not going to get into the whole thing, but we also had a pretty important meeting before we left with some pretty important folks. And right now the story is in the hands of people that might be able to do something about it. I have reached out to Congressman Elijah Cummings' office several times. Have not heard back. Elijah Cummings was a Democrat on the House Oversight Committee who was calling for an investigation into Governor Snyder, who perjured himself in front of Congress. He has been out front uh, on behalf of Flint. Unfortunately, I haven't heard back from his office, so I'm, I keep reaching out to see if he's going to do something about this. Uh, Jen literally has reached out to every single celebrity known to man, even D-listers, just throwing shit at a wall to see if we can get some people to, to speak about this and tweet about it and call for action. I mean, we have every single resident on the record. We also have every single resident, resident on audio. So you could, all the reporting is airtight. It's there. We busted our asses for it, Jen and I. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it because we have evidence that the state of Michigan cheated on the Flint water testing to artificially lower the lead levels. As Aaron Brockovich said in the story, 
Here you go. Here's Aaron Brockovich in the story. The only reason to do this would be to obtain a clear sample and report false information, she said, calling for a criminal prosecution of officials that improperly flushed water before sampling. She also demanded citywide retesting to begin and for the reopening of the free water pods, the governor shuddered. Quote, falsifying a federal and state regulatory compliance test, that is a crime, she said. Brockovich also noted that in light of these falsified tests, it's not possible as has been done by many media outlets, to claim thousands of other cities have higher water lead levels than Flint since Flint's real water lead levels numbers are now in question. She called it cheating. Quote, flushing right before a first draw sample is a violation. The entire purpose of testing the first draw is to detect how much lead and copper have leached into the water overnight. Once it is flushed, it Beats the purpose of a test. Flushing is cheating. I really, really encourage you, if you got the time, I know everyone's busy, go read the story. Please share. And by the way, Jen and I knocked on these doors before we launched this GoFundMe. We stayed in Flint largely off of our minuscule savings because that's how much we care. But the reason we're doing this GoFundMe is because real journalism actually works if you have the work ethic. And by the way, as, I, as I've told you many times, most corrupt individuals, most corrupt individuals are very lazy and don't cover their tracks because they don't expect actual journalists to look into it. And most of the time, journalists don't. Jen and I are not from Michigan. I've been to Flint 13 times, but neither of us are from there. The local media in Michigan, they could have knocked on these doors way earlier than us and found out this information, but they are simply organs for the state and regurgitate what the state tell them. So please, 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 this is why we're growing this GoFundMe. This is why we're asking you to support us. We, are, we mean business, and we're not screwing around. We're going straight for corrupt people. We're trying to deliver justice to communities. Frankly, I won't get into details, but I wanted to do a lot more reporting on Flint when I was at the Young Turks, and occasionally they didn't agree with that. And it's not just Flint. We have plans to cover other areas with water contamination, but we cannot forget about Flint. It is not a normal thing for a community to be poisoned and then four and a half years later to be basically left to die and for the state environmental agency to basically cook the data. Who the hell knows what the real lead levels are in Flint? Who knows? Because they cooked the data. They flushed before testing. And this might be painful for some of you to watch, but I want to show you uh, just a piece of a clip. Uh, I interviewed Amanda Jane, Amanda Janes, She's a 35-year-old woman, never had a health problem in her life before this water switch in 2014. Uh, an official from the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality came to her home randomly, uh, said, I'm here to test your water. The official ran her water for a minute before taking the sample, again, against EPA regulations, flushes out the lead, took the sample. The sample came back. No lead. That official also gave Amanda instructions when you test yourself, because the people that were chosen on this program, they were supposed to be testing themselves. That official wasn't even supposed to be testing for her. And all those details are in the story. 
said, you're going to do it exactly like I did it. So then Amanda, when she tested herself and sent in, the, sent in those samples, which was part of the state data that they used to declare Flint safe and Flint's lead levels low, Amanda also flushed because she got the wrong instructions. I want to be abundantly clear on something. Jen and I are not doctors. We're not, cause, we're not saying cause and effect. We do not know what caused her thyroid cancer or the spots on her kidney. I cannot draw cause and effect because I'm not a doctor. We do have a toxicologist on the record in the story. All I can tell you, I don't know for sure what caused her health problems, but I do know for sure she didn't have any significant health problems before this water switch. Two years later, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and spots in her kidney. Here is part of my interview with her uh, in Flint. And I was like, I almost want to cry, but it's like I let my kids drink it, and I drank it, my husband drank it. Like I almost want to cry, but it's like I let my kids drink it, and I drank it, my husband drank it. I don't, I don't mean to cry, but I don't know. Like, could I have not have gotten sick if I didn't? If I did it the right way? If I just paid for the sink myself or? I don't know. Well, you're not really getting treatment because you can't afford it. I can't afford, <laughs> can't afford nothing. <laughs> I can afford to pay my water bills so they don't come shut us off. I can pay for groceries and our car that we need to get back and forth to work, but I can't. It's not, so the healthcare system just sucks. I could leave my husband and get healthcare, but They're gonna do it. That's just one of the dozens of residents Jen and I met knocking on these doors in Flint. This is why we do this for a living. Because people like Amanda are being screwed. People like Amanda are being treated not as humans. An official went into her home, knowingly tested her water against EPA regulations to get a lower result. That's the, only, that's the only reason for an official test meant for EPA regulatory compliance. That's the only reason to do that, to run the water before taking the sample. As a plumber, as a plumber told me in the story, even 30 seconds, you could be flushing out most of the lead that's inside the fixtures in the home. And why would officials do that? If not for, we want to sweep this under the rug. We want to shut down these water pods. We want to yank away relief money for these people. Because, hey, they're just poor black people. They're just poor white people. I mean, if we're keeping it real, Flint, I mean, it looks like an apocalyptic horror movie in most parts of Flint. Jen and I were driving around knocking on more doors, and we both said, I mean, this is, depressing isn't the word for it. And I'm not knocking the people of Flint, but it is really just, it, it, it's the definition of despair and desolation. It is an American city that has been basically left to die, both economically and public health. And people like Amanda let 
state officials into their home, most of them thought, oh, great, they're here, they're testing the water, wonderful. They're actually doing something. How would they know? They had no idea that they were, these officials were doing it the wrong way. And you want to know something? You want to tell me that the governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, who up until now, oh, I didn't know anything about the problem in Flint. Nobody told me. You want to, you want to tell me his environmental agency just did this, freelanced, cheating on this test? And he didn't know about it? I got a bridge to sell you. So we're going to follow up on this reporting. Like we said, it was supposed to be published uh, by Newsweek magazine. They killed it the day before it was supposed to be published. Uh, you'll find out a lot more about that, as well as the other outlets that killed this and the insane reasons for it, including many outlets just didn't want to touch it because it didn't involve Donald Trump. So the people of Flint and their health and whether there's an environmental cover-up and an environmental scandal, that wasn't juicy enough for many outlets, frankly, including some progressive outlets, if we're keeping it real, not juicy enough. Or we don't have the bandwidth to cover this, even though Jen and I had already done all the due diligence. And in most cases, we didn't even ask for a dime of money. We just wanted to get this out for the people of Flint. So definitely, definitely, if you haven't read it, please read it, share it, try to get it, some circulation on social media. Uh, that's how we're going to have to do it, because we're certainly not relying on corporate media, again, to publish these stories. So that's it. Uh, this was a much longer live stream than I expected, but uh, definitely, definitely, thank you uh, to Ty uh, for that great report earlier. And show us your love. Show Ty your love. Show me your love. I know uh, a lot of people have already contributed. As a reminder, 100 bucks gets you a status quo hat or shirt. Uh, 127 gets you both. And uh, 200 is getting you a status quo swag bag with all sorts of goodies, including signed. And we're trying to get to 20000 by the end of this week. So uh, we're about $900 short. And uh, as I end today, remember, most people are not lacking compassion. Most people have no fucking idea what's going on. 